Hello, it's Tina Anderson with BattlegroundFitness.com and my monthly podcast, Get Fit, Stay Healthy. This is show number 39. And by the way, thank you so much. I am now at over 50,000 total downloads. Wow. Hey, I trained some of my clients at a place called LA Boxing in Lake Forest, California. And one of the owners just released a book and DVD promoting the concept of stress less, weigh less. Now, don't roll your eyes and think this is yet another diet and exercise book. Well, it is another diet and exercise book, but the overall concept is quite different. And it may be just the solution to your weight issue. Or better yet, the book may change your entire life. Holly Mosier takes a holistic and big picture concept with the critical specifics we all need to perhaps finally end our issue with food, exercise, and weight loss. And in doing so, you may change your entire life. And I'm not exaggerating. It works for both women and men, and it's extremely practical and user-friendly, which is why I love it. Well, one of the reasons. I am absolutely positive you will get some nuggets from Holly, definitely, and possibly a life changer. I highly suggest getting the book and or DVD if some of this interview resonates with you. Let's just uh, start with the premise of I know why we're getting fatter, which you mentioned in your book. Why are we getting fatter? (laughs) And how did this lead you to your journey and this book and also your DVDs? We are never off the clock. There's never a time when we really feel like we can sit back, relax, and release the stress like we used to be able to do. Well, actually, it's been more than a decade ago. So I believe that is what has caused this big explosion of obesity, and I certainly know it was behind my midlife weight gain. Absolutely. So that's why I wrote the book. I went and I researched that whole issue, found solutions uh, that are workable for the average person with a busy schedule, and that's what you're going to find in the book in my 10-minute yoga DVD. On page 11, Holly, you write about our lives being out of balance, and I love that because I think most of us go immediately to what should I eat, how much should I eat, how much exercise, how many calories instead of the bigger picture. And I think that's a lot of what your book is about and your journey. That's what happened to you, right? You're, you were just out of balance. You knew kind of what to do, but it wasn't working. Is that correct? Yeah, that's correct. And, and you're bringing up a good point too, Tina, is that that's what I, my approach was the same as most people. You know, my weight was going up. Um, I was in the midlife hormonal changes, so I felt like it was a losing battle. So I attacked it physically only with what I was eating, tried to up my workouts, which really wasn't doable. I was working out 90 minutes a day back then and weighing a lot more than I do now. You know, there's two parts to us. There's the physical side, and then there's the invisible part, the mental, emotional, spiritual side. And I found that both need attention, and they work together. So you have to balance the needs of both those sides, the physical and the mental, emotional, spiritual. And when you balance that, it not only uh, creates a healthier body, weight loss, um, uh, happier relationships, it affects every area of your life. And that's what I discovered. Because really, when you come right down to it, pretty much any diet is going to work for the short term. We can torture ourselves to get as skinny as, as maybe we want. But we all know people who are thin and miserable. And what I was after, and I think most people are after, was a complete, complete happiness, a completely full life that included a healthy, fit body. But it also included a happier state of mind and great relationships. 
chapter one starts with that really controlling stress is it seems to be at the pinnacle the top of everything and you have several sections under that like self-discipline and opting out uh, your four count breath using meditation what I thought was really interesting and what I pulled from this because I've read tons of books I've been in fitness for 27 years myself so I'm always looking for nuggets and new perspectives and I thought was what was really interesting you mentioned having a consistency of attempting uh, for progress and I think I saw consistency in there several times. Let's talk about that for a second. That's the other thing that I found. Is many of us, especially those of us who are hardcore into fitness, um, we believe we have to be perfect in our approach. And I found that that was far from the truth. It really was the consistency of attempting to use the stress reduction techniques, uh, to move every day, to eat properly every day. It was that consistency that brought me the results because I certainly don't do it perfectly every day. And, and I found I don't have to. And I find that's a really comforting thing for people to hear. You know, this came at a really interesting time because it was at a point for me where I realized that there's just too many piles on my desk. And those piles are part mm. of the opting in to do things. And sometimes I think there, there are things that you think you like or you want to do. The opting out, I think, for most people is also a realization that there are things you like to do, but perhaps even those things you shouldn't always be doing. It's not just about opting out of things that make you uncomfortable or that are stressful. I think it's a bigger picture. Wouldn't you agree on the choices you make every day of the the responsibilities you have? Oh, I I totally agree with that. And uh, that was a big surprise to me because I found opting out, which is just you know, saying no to demands, requests, invitations, activities that just plug up your schedule and leave you no time for yourself. And you're basically running from one thing to the next every day. And you're showing up almost out of breath and usually in a state of depletion. The first thing I started to do out of necessity, I opted out of the things that I just didn't like and made me uncomfortable, but you pointed that out, Tina, that That's very important. It's also opting out of things that maybe you like and you feel good about doing, but it's just going to overload you too much where you really don't have any downtime. You've got to do it. You have to create that balance. So optimally, you're opting out of most of the things that you don't like that are unnecessary. We all have things, responsibilities and duties that are necessary, even though they might be distasteful. Um, but you also want to opt out of things that just crowd your schedule too much. And then I found that after I did this, and it wasn't easy to do at first, there's really nothing in our culture that's going to support this kind of a choice. And I found it absolutely necessary as the foundation for everything else. But what I found is when I did commit to things, I showed up with the fullness of myself, full energy, full creativity, full excitement. Um, I was a much more pleasant person to be around, and I also got more out of the experience, and I brought more to the experience. So there you have it, where it creates full happiness, not just sets you up for easier weight loss because your stress isn't out of control, but it also sets you up to really enjoy the things that you're doing. The four-count breath you talk about and the meditation, are, are they're awesome. I think those two areas probably would be the, the two areas that people would go, oh, I don't know. Breathing, meditation, uh, (laughs) you know, regular exercise, sure. Yoga, okay. I mean, let's be honest. A four-count breath and meditation as part of the plan, I would think would be two of your obstacles when you try to sell this to people. I hate to use the word sell, but you know what I I mean, your concept. Yeah. How do you approach that? Well, I have them try it. 
because that four count breath is so easy and so doable and brings such immediate relief from the immediate stress you're experiencing it as you're experiencing that usually I, I they, they convert right on the spot Tina and so I, I walk them through it where it's just really if you can close your eyes fine you don't need to I do it in my car all the time but you're just drawing the breath in through the nose to the count of four and you want to pull the breath down to the lower lobes of your lungs which we experience as a belly breath feel like a belly breath and then you just exhale through the nose to the count of four now, what I do is I have people try it with me, and I tell them about three breaths, you're going to start to sense a difference, and they already do. You breathe in through the nose to the count of four, exhale through the nose to the count of four. This immediately starts to calm you, and the reason is there was a doctor, a cardiologist, named is Herbert Benson, MD, and he started studies on this type of breath. It's not exactly the same, but it's very similar, back in the 60s and found that there was a direct correlation between the quality of the breath and the quality of the mind, meaning calm, even breath equal calm, even thinking. And you know, we know this intuitively. That's why when we get nervous or upset about something, we'll say, I couldn't breathe or I couldn't catch my breath. Uh, you notice that most of the time during the day, we're shallow breathers, we're up in the chest. Um, this also matches the quality of our state of peace or lack thereof. So the four count breath ends up being the way that people are drawn into being willing to learn about meditation because meditation is just an extension of the four count breath. All you do, I mean, we all know, we might all have some kind of a concept about what meditation is. I would ask, I'd invite people to throw that out because all meditation is, is a single point focus. That's it. It's where you're focusing on one thing and the extraneous thoughts start to still. That's meditation. So you start with the four count breath, and then you just find one thing to ponder. Now, typically I will find something inspirational to read, like a sentence or even a word. You can focus on a flower, you can focus on a photo, you can focus on anything you like. But as you draw this breath in, and start to gently prod your mind back to this single point focus, you're going to find an even deeper state of peace than you do with just the four count breath alone. That's the gateway to meditation. If you keep at it, the consistency of attempting, it will deepen and deepen and deepen, and there will come a point where you hit that state of bliss that feels like nothing I can describe, but you know it when you've got it. On page 76, you have a really lovely section there where you write, I have observed that Whenever there is a lack of space, whether in the body, mind, or life path, there is debilitation of the surrounding structure, and a mind that is thinking incessantly breaks down in its ability to think clearly. A body with no space for stillness and rest shows evidence of the ravages of time much sooner and to a greater degree than one that walks through life embraced in a buffer of space and without time for contemplation and introspection that our trail is only a collection of knee-jerk reactions to events and circumstances and you end with because there has been no reflection that would allow us to choose a more fulfilling and meaningful path. This is one of the areas of your writing that I really feel like is quite different from the average book that helps you with weight loss. Tell me just a little bit about this. This is so profound and so very different. This was personal experience. I was a trial lawyer. So I had clients, and one thing about being a lawyer is you get into your clients' lives way more than maybe other professions. And I was also a yoga teacher. 
so I could see this not only in my own life, but I could see it in the lives of others. And it took me um, probably till I got to about age 45 is when it really struck me that without these buffers of space, there's always a debilitation of the surrounding structure. You know people who think incessantly, they start to babble. We knew that as travelers. Uh, you get somebody on the stand, you're questioning them, they think incessantly, they start to babble. Um, with, same thing with our bodies. I mean, if there's no space for relaxation, regeneration, and rejuvenation, those are the people that age the fastest, even if they're hardcore into fitness, even if they're eating well. I've seen that, and I'm sure you have too. So I realized there had to be this balance. This, this is a, a, um, a deeper way of saying that we need to balance the needs of the inner and the outer. We ignore the inner, the outer is going to suffer. You ignore the outer, the inner suffers as well. Both right. are necessary. Uh, moving on from there, on page 81, you talk about your personal perspective and how uh, your thoughts about it change your emotions. And you talk about switching your focus. Yeah, I. it was a real surprise to me, Tina, that we generate our emotions. Of course, the reason I concluded that is I saw it in myself, but it took me a long time to realize that. You know, we're so busy. We're so frenetic. We are so overscheduled that we really think that the way we feel about something is because that thing happened. We don't realize that we actually choose how we're going to view that circumstance or that event and, therefore, how we're going to feel about it because emotions follow thought. Now, you can prove this to yourself. Think about something that makes you happy. Think about going to a carnival. Think about going to the beach. And notice how you feel happy after you have that thought. On the other side, think about something that really ticks you off. Um, <laughs> you know, think about, <laughs> I'm sure we could all find oh something boy. pretty easily. So easy. Think about an ex. Think about an incident with one of your kids that didn't please you. And notice how the emotions that flow after that thought are negative. This was a shock to me to realize that the emotions weren't automatic. They didn't just land on me. They followed the way I was thinking about something. And then when I dug a little further, I realized, well, the way I think about something has everything to do with my point of view. And I can move my point of view. I can change it. That's what's your focus. There's some other tools in there, too, that help you to do this because it's so much easier than you might think. But it sneaks up on us. But the moment I realized I can take a different point of view, matter of fact, why don't I look at it from this perspective or something? And then I noticed the emotions that, that followed course they changed because I had different underlying thoughts. This was key to me being able to create a more buoyant, happier mood all the time. Key. And remember, it's an invisible process. You do it all day long. You can just choose how you want to think about something. And then you get this marvelous result out here. It doesn't take you away from your job, your kids, your workouts, or anything. And that's what that's when you asked me earlier when I uh, why did I write the book, it's because I didn't find this type of holistic approach anywhere out there. There are wonderful fitness books. There are wonderful um, eating books. There are wonderful what are called holistic books. I just didn't find anything that gave me the formula for a super busy mom, stepmom, trial lawyer, 
um, crazy woman that I was. <laughs> <laughs> I don't I understand. <laughs> so you, I developed my own. <laughs> I, I know that one of the things you've mentioned and that I also a- agree with is that to do all of this, you have to develop a habit because our habits that we have, the negative ones, are automatic and we don't think about them and to reprogram our mind it's over and over again and I know you mentioned that in your book you talk about uh, how you're gonna feel about something before it happens you talk about cultivating the habit of being happy and your happy task list and sense of humor and responses and I'm not going to get into all of that because you guys need to get the book uh, but one thing that I do want to mention on page 99 another profound area I think is that we are unaware that we actually choose to associate with people events and things that run counter to our goals and we feel off what what you're talking about as far as you know choosing to associate with people events and things that are really not where you want to be I can't tell you how much of my life I spent like that and um, it isn't just the live humans and the live events you hang out with I was shocked to find that what I watched on TV there's the other tool in there the follow-up one is govern your TV and movie viewing I really thought that just you know cruising the channels and landing on anything that sort of entertained me was okay. It isn't. What you associate with, association brings assimilation. We know it to be true. So I really am very careful now. I pick and choose very carefully who and what I'm going to spend my time with, whether it's a live person, a live event, or something that I'm just watching. And it made an awesome and astounding and immediate difference in my state of happiness all the time. I especially think we owe that to ourselves and the people around us. We, We lose sight of that. We're so busy trying to come out here and please everybody, and at least for me, I was pleasing almost nobody because I was always in a state of depletion. Um, We lose sight that we're here to live our lives. We're supposed to enjoy our lives, and we lose sight of that completely. Okay, let's talk briefly about the breakdown of the book as well, and again, I don't want to get into the details on the exercises that you provide and the amazing yoga sequences which I love being able to go in and take a little bit of yoga and I know you have a a 10 minute DVD that's doing well also because anyone could do 10 minutes you've got yoga in there you've got different levels of that and you know interestingly enough you get through all the important I guess the important stuff that thinking about your mind and your breathing and how this all affects you and then you get into something very practical that you can do with your diet and with your exercise and then when you break it down you talk about you know your daily calorie allotment and decisions about what to eat I want to pull one thing out right away on page 129 which I thought was really interesting and that was a statement of don't eat too much variety I guess typically lean people are sort of operate that way naturally. Anyway, you found that in your studies, I guess. Let's talk a little bit about yeah. your diet approach and your exercise approach, integrating that into this entire concept of stress less, weight less. You can see now in the breakdown of the book, we have the whole first part is about stressing less. And it's all these tools that we just talked about. Because that is, of course, going to calm us, reduce our stress levels. When you reduce your stress levels, that reduces your stress hormones, cortisol, adrenaline, the, these things that spike your appetite and create real physiological cravings for the high fat, high sugar, high sodium foods. It's a fact. We know that this happens now. So, you know, you might see some of those ads for those uh, pills or supplements that are supposed to reduce your stress hormones. It's not going to happen. There's The only way to reduce your stress is to learn how to manage it and and so that's what we want to do first but you're going to find within a day or two of doing that your appetite changes because i i don't believe in any magic bullets at least i haven't found any 
um, magical ways, magical supplements or ways of eating that created weight loss for an easy weight loss. I never found that. What I did find is after my stress was reduced, my appetite normalized. I used to be hungry all the time, and I hear this from people. Um, you know, I, I just, I'm thinking about food all the time. I'm always craving something. That was me too. And I'm happy to say that is not any part of my life anymore. It's such a relief. It's so free to be able to eat normally and healthily and be completely satiated and satisfied and energetic. Because I'm not about low-calorie um, diets. I can't do them. I personally eat about 1,800 calories a day, and I'm a small person. I'm five foot two. I am active, but not crazily active. The eating approach, I researched all kinds of stuff about blood sugar levels. After, you know, after we get past the stress hormones and getting those under control, now we want to look at um, blood sugar levels because those also impact appetite. So I do believe in eating from the lower glycemic foods for the most part. I think that's good advice for anybody. It certainly makes you fuller. I believe in getting protein in your breakfast. I believe we should balance the proteins and the carbs and the fats in every meal. And we need to add some fats back in. That was a shock to me. We used to always say, well, lose weight, cut out the fat. That's not true. Fats create satiation, and they also allow you to assimilate your vitamins. So that kind of sums up where I think the most important eating guidelines are. And in your book, you do go through details of to help everyone figure out you know, how to put that together in a very, very, very simple, practical way. There's nothing in there you can look at and go, oh, I can't do that. That's why I know it's not going to work for me. It's just like, no, you can do all this. It's really simple. And you even have... You know, you even have restaurant rules in there, uh, which is great because they're mm-hmm. simple and basic everyday stuff we can do immediately. You go from that, you talk about uh, exercising, you talk about varying it up and trying to get it in daily. And again, your approach on this, pretty simple. Here I am at age 50. I, I really have to pace myself. So yeah, one day I might walk four miles and even on those days, I'll break it up. I'll do two miles in the morning, two miles in the evening. It's easy to do. The next day, I might take a, you know, a, a cardio boxing class. Those are my hardest workouts. I don't do those very intense workouts like that that often, maybe twice a week, because I do think it's good to tax your uh, cardiovascular system. And then maybe the next day, it's 20 minutes on the life cycle and then 10 minutes of yoga. I break it up all the time. But the other thing I, I do, Tina, that has proved to be critically important for me is I do move throughout my day. Now, studies found that those of us who do a dedicated workout period every day, like say we go to the gym for an hour every day, um, it turns out we don't move as much as the rest of the day. We're more likely to you know, park close to the opening of the store that we're going in or not take the stairs. And that was counterproductive, and that's why people aren't finding the weight loss results when they start adding an exercise session. They're actually reducing the rest of their activity, mm, and so there's, wow. there's no deficit of calories there. So I not only exercise every day, but I believe all of it counts. So if I can do 10 minutes of walking around the block in the morning and I can't do anything else till the afternoon, I get 15 minutes of maybe I can run in the gym and sit on the life cycle for 15 minutes. And then at night, I walk another mile. I add those up and it all counts. As a matter of fact, the studies are showing that interspersing these bouts of exercise throughout your day are just as effective is having one solid session of exercise. And in fact, the more recent studies are showing it might be more effective. I find mentally it's a lot easier because my days are busy. Um, you know, so being able to break it up like that and then continuing to move throughout the day, 
I think it's the gold standard. And that's what allowed me to you know, stop working out 90 minutes at the gym every day. I, I'm about uh, 50 minutes to an hour of activity every day, but it's not hardcore activity, and it works. Yes, well, in your book, you, you have a, a long list, like I said, of in the diet section, in the exercise. You have exercises in there for anyone who'd like to do those. And you also have, I want to wrap up with your own recipes. And were you a cook? I mean, did you start off this way? No. No? <laughs> Heck no. This, this came after I opted out and actually had some time to think about, well, I'd like to eat better. I, I don't know how to cook, but um, I want to get out of you know the fast food line for the most part. I, of course, I still do a little of that. But anyway, it, it came to me that just start experimenting and turned out, Every recipe I did, just about, there's a rare exception, there's five ingredients or less, and they're normal foods. It's French toast, it's pizza, it's omelets, it's uh, grilled steak, burgers. Um, and, of course, if I could do it, it turned out anybody could do it because, you know, I, devel- I developed these recipes well before I ever even thought about writing a book. And I was passing them around to my girlfriends who were similarly situated, working moms, you know, crazily busy, never had time to cook. And um, they were getting the same results I was as far as, hey, the kids love them, uh, husband, boyfriend, or whoever loves them, they look good enough to serve to guests, so I'm going to do it. And that's how those came about. And you wrap up your book um, also with One Month Following You, which is great because people want to know, well, what do you do? What is your day like? And you have that in there. Mm-hmm. So someone gets your book and actually feel like they've lived through a month with you and how you manage everything. For those who would like to find your book, uh, find you. Let's get some information out. Website, Facebook, uh, where to get the book, and also your your ten minute DVD that you said is doing well. Uh, give us all that. Give us the rundown of how we connect with Holly Mosier. As quickest way is to go to my website, which is hollymosier as one word dot com. That'll pretty much direct you to everything. On Facebook, I have a private page that everybody's welcome to come over to, uh, but you'll see stuff in there from my kids and my friends, too, which is always, I think, fun. That's Holly Mosier. Just search on Facebook. I also have Holly Mosier official page uh, where we post things that, like, if I'm going to be on TV or something, we post a lot of that stuff there. Twitter, it's Follow Holly. Um, I think that's it, Tina. And your book? Oh, and as far as getting... You can find it, um, the, my website lists everywhere it's available, but of course it's at Amazon.com, it's in Barnes & Noble, um, it's also BarnesandNoble.com, Borders.com, um, let's see, for those of you in Southern California and Orange County, it's in Costco, um, and I think that pretty much it will cover it because you can find it through the website after that. Okay, and also your 10-minute DVD is available that way too? 10-minute it is. It's available. It's not in the the only store that's available in is it's, um, it's it's getting into the Barnes and Noble now. But the easiest way to get my DVD is on my website or you know Amazon.com. It's called Holly Mosier Ten Minute Yoga. So it's not the same name as the book, but it it all the sequences that are in the book are in the DVD plus a lot more stuff in the DVD. And that's uh, Holly, like you would spell it, H O L L Y M as in Mary O S I E R. I'll post things on my social media as well. And congratulations, you're doing well with this, right? It was just released on June first, and it's it's going very well. So yeah, we're very pleased. Knock on wood. Congrats to Holly on her success. She's a lovely person. She walks her talk and she speaks from her personal journey and transformation, backed by research. It's good stuff. So start your four-count breathing today, yo. Okay, friends, uh, don't forget I'm posting on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and LinkedIn. So please find me and let's connect. 
In fact, my abs video will be up very soon. It might be by now. And a recent piece of my husband uh, is already up on my new channel. That's my YouTube channel, and it's forward slash Tina Anderson, capital O-C. It's the same for Twitter and Facebook. I'm rebranding everything pretty much to Tina Anderson OC. OC stands for Orange County. So next month, it's carb cycling and how it can help you with those last stubborn pounds. So learn how to truly use the low-carb approach to your advantage. So until then, you're going to make good choices. You're going to set appropriate boundaries. You're going to spread some good vibrations in the world. And you are going to find something to laugh about every day. And please manage your stress before it manages you. This is Tina Anderson with Battleground Fitness and Get Fit, Stay Healthy, asking you to do the same.